Hello and welcome to Success Secret Nation to this new episode of the Success Secret Podcast with your host Hussein Talib. I am always looking for ways to improve the Success Secret Podcast and your feedback is a big part of that. So if you have any questions or ideas, please leave me a voice message by going to successsecret.net forward slash podcast. I will be waiting to hear your feedback. Welcome to Success Grid, the place for sharing entrepreneurial stories, knowledge, and wisdom to educate and inspire you to always strive to raise your standards in your business and your life. With your host, Hussein Talib. Hello and welcome to Success Grid Nation to this new episode of the Success Grid Podcast with your host, Hussein Talib. My guest today, she is a business optimization expert, teaches how to create explosive profits without adding any cost. Andy, welcome to the grid. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and hopefully provide some service and tips for your listeners. Awesome, awesome to have you here today with me on this episode. Well, uh, give us a little story about you, Andy, because we want to put the people who are hearing us about, before we go into do it more this episode, we want to hear your story. How did you become this business uh, entrepreneur and uh, what made you transform to this if you had uh, prior jobs or careers before that? Absolutely. This is the fun part of the conversation, I think, because, you know, a lot of people have dreams of being entrepreneurs, whether by accident or on purpose. But mine actually started. When I was 16 years old, I was homeless and because my mother, my single mom had abandoned me. And I thought the, the solution to my situation was to start a business. And, you know, more out of necessity, frankly, but I ended up being, I loved, I loved the adventure. And I'm such a problem solver that it just was such a natural transition for me. And not that it was you know, it wasn't successful immediately for obvious reasons, but it was something that I ended up just really, really enjoying and loving. And so my journey was not, was actually forced upon me by myself, but also in the situation. So it's, it's just a very unusual story that I like to share with people because I think a lot of startup companies and small businesses are sometimes afraid or, you know, they're not supported or they don't think that they can make it. And I feel like, look, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But but we are speaking here about a very young age. You're about 16 where you when you were thinking about starting a business. Not many young uh, people think about that. So what made you do that? Did you know someone in the family? Did you see some people around you in the neighborhood? How, how did, did it come into light to you? Well, my, my, not my immediate family, but, you know, distant families have all owned businesses. They were all business people or business owners. And so I sort of really, they, we never talked about it. There were no, you know, there were no lessons or conversations, but it was just what I saw. And I assumed the whole world was like that, you know, at an early age, like everybody owns a business or everybody is in business. I mean, even if you're, whether you're a business owner, for example, doing, you know, consulting or you own a restaurant, you're still a business owner. Right. And so yeah. I've always been around it all of my life without actually really calling it. 
I don't even know if the word entrepreneur, how long that's been around, but I don't ever remember, you know, hearing about it. It was just what you saw, right? Just like, I think children learn how to be, you know, learn how to cook with their parents or learn how to fix cars with their parents or whatever. I just learned about being in business and treating people respectfully and having really good customer service and caring about your clients and really being an integral part of their growth, which was really, you know, near and dear to my heart. Yeah. You have a fascinating story. So, for example, a lot of uh, people in that age maybe start what they call a a lemonade stand. Is that (laughs) 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 right? So, so, so what was one of the things that you did basically just to give us some idea of, uh, of that? Early, early on, oh, it was it was very painful and and sad and lots of lots of tears in the beginning. But you know, I again, I had no choice. So I was going door to door at different businesses, asking if they needed help anywhere, anything from you know filing or copying or answering mm-hmm. the phones during lunchtime or you know I don't care if it was throwing out the garbage, like I needed to work, right? And I needed to find out, you know, just a lot of it was just sheer determination, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know how many hundreds or thousands of no's I got. But in that process, again, out of need, you have to find out, you know, what am I doing wrong? How do I get them to say yes? What, What can I do differently? And so it was a trial and error, a lot trial and error and it was all office stuff but it you know this was the beginning of my sales career right so (laughs) it was not easy I didn't have somebody say hey if you if you say it this way they'll be interested or if you you know even if you're talking about shaking hands or looking people in the eye or you know the tone of your voice or the words that you choose or what you know how do you handle objections all of those basic things I just didn't know at the time yeah, this is what good thing about when you're starting. I think maybe you you interact with other people early earlier in life. You start building up these kind of things because you know, like nowadays, people or anyone who wants to start a business, maybe even online, especially online, I think that they think that that in a month that they will be successful, that they will make a million dollars. Oh <laughs> so, yes, so, so true. It it could happen, yes, but. It needs uh, a lot of things. It needs persistence. It needs some kind of maybe expertise in certain area, especially with a lot of things to do now online. You have to do your content. You have to do your social media. You have to do a lot of things. You have to do your email marketing, a lot of things. What should you focus on? So let me start with that. When when someone starts a business, do you think whether maybe... Uh, online or even offline what is the most important thing that they should look at at first you know there's so many really good ideas and I my opinion is that there's a concept called business value which I think is super super important because if you don't know like let me back up for a moment I can tell people I have five degrees, I speak six languages, I have 35 years of experience, I've helped multi-million dollar and billion dollar companies, but none of that makes any difference in the beginning. In the beginning, you have to know the value that you're bringing to people. 
And that's not, that has nothing to do with me personally. It has to do with them who I'm talking to. So if somebody says, Hey, I need to increase an example is this is not related to business, but if somebody says I have a headache, solve it. And I say, well, you should have electrolytes. And they say, well, I don't need electrolytes. I need, you know, ibuprofen or an aspirin. I said, no, you really need electrolytes. It's really going to make a difference. And they keep saying, I don't want electrolytes. So the point being, if you're not being able to communicate a solution of the value that you're going to provide to somebody, there's no way they're going to listen. They don't understand. And as a business owner, your job is not to sell per se. It's really to educate. Because once you, if you educate on your value and how you can help them there, it's an, it's always a yes. I mean, I shouldn't say always, but the vast majority of the time it's going to be a yes. And so a business value, for example, you know, is, and is not your 32nd pitch, by the way, business value is for me, it's, how to create explosive profits up to 300% in one to four months. I mean, that's sort of obvious in the sense of you kind of know what you're going to get. You don't know how you're going to get it. You don't know exactly what that involves, but at least you know the result, right? So other people with business value, they'll say, well, I can help customers, um, you know, get more lead generation opportunities. And while that could be true, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes people want to know, well, what kind of, like, are you a consultant? Are you a coach? Do you have a course? Do you, is it customized? Is it one-on-one? How long is it going to take? And although, like, that's why if they don't get it, and that is your your responsibility as a business owner is to educate them on how what you do can serve them, which yeah. I call business value. Uh, I love that because a lot of a lot of uh, business owners and entrepreneurs sometimes get the mistake that the, it's it's the business is about them when it's actually it's never about them. It's about never. It's about yeah. It's about the the client, the consumer, or the client. So yeah, this is the, the the big problem because they think I have this, for example, this product and it has like these features and these features. Yes. And yes. ultimately, it does not matter to the to the buyer unless these will get them the solu- solution or even the resolution that they are looking after. Absolutely, and even like with I know we already talked about a really easy small example, but like with a car, it says okay. Well, if you get a a car salesman to say, hey, it has four wheel drive, and as let's say I'm a mo- a mother of four children, I'm like okay, who cares, <laughs> right? And they say, well, okay, but with the four wheel drive, you could you know go on a great beach adventure. And in my mind, I'm like, well, I don't want to go to the beach. I don't want a beach adventure. But if you say, hey. In the winter time, when it snows and there's ice, and you need to take your kids to school, this car is going to keep you safe. That is going to speak to me, right? Yeah. And so you still have a feature, but how is it applied to my uh, exactly, to your customer's exactly. life? I love that. Yeah, I actually speaking of this point you mentioned, I am actually reading now a book called. Uh, it's it's a little bit. Let's say let's say 50-50 on the business because it involves a lot of business. It's called copywriting secrets by someone oh. called by someone called Jim Edwards. So I don't know if you know if you know that book or have you read it? 
I have not read that book, but I love reading books. I think, I mean, even with business, even with what I do, you can never know everything. And there's really interesting techniques or a different way to explain something that I already knew. Because again, I know my big thing is we're only successful as we're able to explain what we do. And that, again, our job is education. So what different way can I explain what I do to help them understand better? Yeah, this is what I love because you transform basically when you when you said earlier a minute ago that you transform, for example, the features into a benefit and how the benefit is going to solve the problem. Absolutely. So this is basically what they need. So what what are the ways to increase revenue without adding cost, basically? How do you do it? Yeah, so many ways. Um, sometimes it's as easy as offering your product or service in diff- in smaller or bigger quantities, or if you're not selling a product, well, let me talk about the product first. So if you have a product, you can have trial sizes, which are smaller, or you can have bulk sizes, which is bigger. Because, you know, while I don't actually have a lot of traditional women, you know, um, moisturizers and face creams and all of these things that people use, you can't get on an airplane with them. So you and people, women really want that to be with them at all times. So offering products at different sizes, bundling products. So if let's say you have one customer who only buys this one or two things consistently and they've never tried anything else, you know, maybe either as a bundle for the company, but also maybe for that particular client is give them a a sample of something so they can try it because they're going to like it. They're going to buy it. Right. And then with services, which is what I do. When I send proposals to clients, I always give them options, at least one option, preferably two. And the reason is because I don't know what their budget's like. Mm -hmm. And some salespeople, at least traditionally, will actually ask what your budget is. I find I understand the concept of it, but I don't like that method. Like, I don't want to create a solution that fits what you're willing to spend. Mm -hmm. I want to create a solution that's going to fit your cost benefit analysis. So for example, if they say, hey, I want to do A, B, and C, send me a proposal. So I'll send them a proposal about what they want. And let's just say, I say, well, what you want is $10,000. But if you want to do a little bit more yourself, or you have the, you know, the capacity, the labor capacity to do some of it, you could save, we'll say, you know, $3,000 if I reduce the scope and, and reduce the price, this is an option for you to consider. And then also on the other side is to say, hey, it's going to cost you 10000 to do this. But if you spend two more thousand or five more thousand, you're going to get 300 times more benefit if we add this to your scope. So then they at least have an option. They know what the money they want to spend. They know the value it's going to create for them. And they know where they can save money or spend more money because maybe they don't, maybe they want to spend more money and have more impact on their company. So pricing and sizes are, I think, really crucial. And again, it doesn't cost any money to do that extra little bit, that extra little bit, right? Yeah. Um, and then another thing is in what I call collaboration. So if you really want to, you know, reach out to a little bit or a lot bigger client base, collaborate and talk with other companies that are complementary to yours. And an oversimplified example is if you're if you do nails, like you know, fingernail polish and you're in a yeah. beauty salon, 
you can you can um, collaborate with a hairstylist or a makeup artist or you know a fashion um, one of those color design peoples. But for me in business consulting, I love to collaborate with other coaches even because well although I'm not a coach, I'm a consultant. But marketing is a complementary um, industry to mine as well as you know attorneys and. Um, uh, business brokers who buy and sell businesses, you know, as a middleman, I should say. So there's all these other people that you can really connect with and really yeah. build. I mean, I don't like to call it a referral partnership, but really building a relationship where if you're building a relationship with somebody who's like minded. So for me, that would be somebody wants to make a, a difference in their client's lives in a sense of if they come to them for advice. They can say, hey, I really like and trust Andy. I, you know, give her a call. She'll send you in the right direction because it's a great, again, free opportunity. So I love that when you mentioned, like, for example, you're giving the clients, uh, for example, three options, A, B, and C, because a lot of of, uh, the clients, sometimes a lot of the customers actually don't know what they actually want until you show them. Exactly. Do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and even if you ask them, they're not going to know necessarily. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is why, because sometimes they would think, yeah, I have these three options. So this one, let's say, fits my budget now. And maybe we'll do this this later or they have the money. Right. And exactly. we will do all. We'll do the. We will do the. Let's say the platinum package, for example. Which exactly. Costs, for example, fifteen k. So yeah, the, the, you you have to show them what you can do for them, and and on multiple. Let's say multiple levels of things. Absolutely, absolutely. And again, you're giving people choices. Like if, and this goes into psychology, which I am not an expert at. But people want to have a choice. If you only give them, if you go to the car dealer and you're like, we only have this car in red, take it or leave it. <laughs> like, it doesn't even matter if you like red necessarily. You're like, I want more options. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> for example, to me, if I want to buy a car, a new car, for example, I don't really care about the color. I just want the type or the, let's right. say, the brand. Uh, this is what exactly. I'm looking for. The color is not something major. But if you are going to the showroom, you want to see different colors. <laughs> exactly. So, so exactly. You, your eyes enjoys these colors with the different yes. types of models. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if this ever happens to you, but I'll see a, a, a car in a color that I never thought of, and it yeah. looks much different than another color like I could like like blue is my favorite color so if I see a blue you know model in blue but then I also see it in black the black could be much more sexier than the blue and I'm like I'll take the (laughs) black (laughs) I mean uh, black is always good in cars so (laughs) well true very true (laughs) yeah so so we're speaking until this point uh, giving options so what do you see some of the common issues uh, or challenges for these kind of uh, small business owners you know, I find a big what you know, there's several, but one of the biggest challenges I think small businesses really have is, you know, who to trust, what they need, you know, what to do next. And they know that there are solutions, but they don't know how to get to them, right? 
And one of the challenges, which we, you know, we kind of talked about a little bit is when people think of increasing their revenue, they often assume that means increasing marketing costs, which is not true. Like that's one piece of several, you know, one piece of a much bigger puzzle. And so going back to the, to the, you know, no cost increasing your profits, you can streamline your operations, you can optimize your IT systems, you can, like we talked about, collaborate with other industries. I mean, there's just so many things. And it really breaks my heart because you will have, I've seen small businesses where they spend so much on marketing and thankfully they, their revenue increases because of it. But it's also, again, not necessary to necessarily increase your marketing costs. I mean, you can make a such, you know, a much bigger impact. And when you have the money where you're more financially stable, then yes, you know, spend all the money you want on marketing. But in the beginning, like the first one, two, three, four years, you don't have to do it. There's so many other ways. And that is the reason it's so heartbreaking is because some people, as you know, the statistic, they go out of business and they go out of business because they think, that they're not smart enough or they're not, you know, they don't have the the, the um, business degree, which, by the way, is not true. You do not need a business degree to do well in business. I will tell you that now. And, and I have a business degree and it did not help. So anyway, um, and and it's just like it, it really is an attack on your self-esteem and your ego and your vision and your goals and your life. And so it's not an easy path. And and I only say that because. Again, the success of your business doesn't always just have to do with what you know today, because owning a business is a journey. It's not, okay, I have a business, that's the end of it. Your business will grow as you grow as a person with your skills, with your experience, whether you're doing it, you know, do it yourself stuff or you hire a consultant or you do, you know, some kind of growth, you're always going to do great. But knowing what those, which kind of steps you need to do is not easy. Sometimes business owners get distracted about the things that the activities that they are doing to generate more revenues. Oh, yes. All the time. Yeah. So what do you think a business basically should they, for for example, let's say there is like two or three streams to generate more revenue. Should they focus on all of them or should they? on the three for example or just on one especially if some of some of the three options for example have the most of the uh, revenue coming in yeah yeah i think it depends on the person and i say that because it if let's say you you're the stay-at-home mom who has the children at home or you're a single person family i mean um, single parent versus double parent like your your resource your time is one of the resources right you only have so many hours in a day and so if you can do three and not pull your hair out as they say then i say do it but what you need to be careful of i think is are those three let's just say you have three opportunities are those three complementary to each other or are they completely different and that's where i think people get really um they can make big mistakes because if let's say for me i'll just for business consulting if i was doing business business consulting and i was doing courses and i was doing um corporate training that's mostly similar in the sense of the content that i'm delivering right mm-hmm. but if i was doing business consulting or 
you know, business consulting and I was doing e-commerce and I was doing, you know, hair and makeup, let's say, right. Just to throw something out there. Like that's not going to be easy to do no matter how good you are. And so the more complimentary your sales channels are, the much easier and streamlined it's going to be for the hours in your day, for your marketing messages, for like, you don't want to be somebody who feels like you have multiple lives. Because <laughs> that's when you get really crazy. Yeah. But really just be consistent and cohesive and complementary in the channels that you use. Yeah, I say we, we are eventually humans. We only have two hands. We are not like an octopus has exactly. I, know, eight, I think maybe or more than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah Sometimes, I mean, yeah, I know some people who are just all over the place, and it's so fun. Like that, that's their. It's fun to see them, but they never really get to the next level because they're just so spread thin. So it can be yeah. a dangerous place. Uh, so speaking of next level, what what next level to you when you're providing to your clients means to you? For me, I really think that the next level just means that next really big revenue step. So, you know, if you're a really small business and your revenue is $100,000, that's like the I'm barely making it stake, right? So what the stage above barely making it is not barely making it, but being comfortable. And that depends on the person and their financial situation and their financial needs in their personal life. But oftentimes that goes from 100,000 to 200, 200 or 250,000. Like for that would be in my experience, that's their next level. But if you're, if you're a company that's making $1 million, well, we need to get you to the $5 million. And that's very different. And the other thing kind of related to that, which I think almost 100% of anybody I've ever worked with um, don't realize this is that every time you go to another growth level, your business operations have to change because your business Mm. is different. That means hiring more people or delegating more work or having a different um, operational system or accounting method or capturing data in your company or like there's things in your company from an operational standpoint that have to change, but they don't have to be big changes. You just have to know that it will change. So the way that you run your business today cannot be the same way you're going to run it when it doubles in size because you will not make it yeah it should there should be a different approaches to that exactly and i I think that the 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 more the company grows uh maybe sometimes what the expenses uh increase more so sometimes it increases to the point where they are not even tracking that and not looking at that yes so true so true and that's one of the one of the things that a lot of people also don't recognize until it's almost too late is they might be growing really well, like revenue, their revenue is growing really well. But when they look, they'll find that the faster your revenue grows, the less profits you make. And that is such a trap because what happens is while your revenue is increasing, you're at a fast pace. You're trying to keep up with that revenue, right? Keep up in the sense of, okay, we need to fulfill orders or we need to finish projects or we need to, you know, really just deliver what it is that your sales generating, right? 
Mm. And the reason that the cost increase is because you're, you know, potentially using contractors, which is 50 to 100% higher than your employee rate, or you're having expedited shipping costs, or you're, you know, doing all of these things just to fulfill your sales. And in that process, you're building, those are temporary solutions, right? But in that process, you're also building a permanent infrastructure to support the revenue. But here's the trick is that as you're, as you're spending more costs, your revenue starts to decline also because the quality of work goes down. You're not as you don't deliver as fast as you would normally. You have customer service issues, you know, like all these other issues happen when your revenue grows fast. And then when that happens, people feel like they cannot like, I shouldn't grow that much. Right. And that's horrible. Yeah, actually, I I watched a YouTube video. I forget what's the name of it, but this is one of the reasons that you mentioned now is one of the reasons uh, a lot of businesses don't grow because they are afraid if they are, uh, it's basically fear because they are afraid if they grow more, they they won't be able to handle the pressure of uh, customers or whatever it is there. Yes, and not only that, they also, they have this, this incorrect belief that if my company doubles, I have to work twice as much, which is, again, not true, right? But they don't know that because, you know, they they don't have a consultant or they don't have enough time to do research or they haven't, don't have, you know, have enough time to read books or look at articles or all the things that, you know, help us grow in our skills and our experience. And it's, it's sad because they can do so much more if they want it. Like it's not necessary, right? I get that. Yeah. But if you do want to grow, you can. You just have the have to have the right pieces in place. Exactly. So, so do, do, do you recommend having SOPs? Uh, is that the, oh my gosh, the bigger yeah. the company, the more SOPs you must have. In fact, that's one of the things on. I have a checklist that I send out to people. And I said, if you're ready to grow the next level, you have to have these things in place. And one of them is SOPs. And the reason is because, first of all, it makes the process consistent. But also what it does on a much bigger scale is we can find out where to optimize your operations. How many people does it go through? What what systems does it go through? How long do you talk to people? What, you know, does it go back to Jenny four times and and then legal twice? And like the whole process, not only from a standard operating procedure standpoint, but from a workflow standpoint, I can, you know, map that out and say, we can cut out this, 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 and this. And now we've just increased your, either increased your productivity and, or you're able to, have more sales because you have the infrastructure to support it exactly and automation with especially dealing with a lot of, for example email email marketing oh, yes. things automation is making it a lot easier yes definitely definitely and there's a new company that i just uh, talked with a couple of weeks ago where they said and i don't know this how accurate this is but i'm pretty excited is they have a, an AI chatbot that's 99% accurate with questions. And if that's true, Whoa. not only to customers, but internal operations as well, like, hey, where's the employee manual or whatever to that effect. And if that's true, oh my goodness, what a difference maker that's going to be with yeah. businesses. 
I know that, but 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 the, I don't know about that. But sometimes, like when I do go, if I wanted support and something, they have that. But still, it's not accurate. Eventually, I right. I, I get I get to I want I'm looking for the email to email them directly. So. Yes, no, it's so true. I've had this exact same experience, which is why I mean I probably get accurate answers maybe fifty percent of the time. But if this company really set, does what they what they say it's going to really make a difference in, you know, productivity and labor and profits across the board. So I'm interested to see how well they do. Great. So I actually speaking of this a little bit, I, uh, speaking of support, I saw a website called video ask, if you know, Mm -hmm. video ask, and this is like, you can put a video of yourself instead of a chat bot. So it becomes, if you, 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 you have a video, you talk through it, what do you do or what your company do, or you can get clients to go to certain page or here is our start art page. So it, 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 I think I'm going to try it on my own site and see the engagement because when you yes. have your own video on the home page, I think it's better and people can reply whether with audio or uh, video also and with text. So I think it could be a good solution, not maybe for websites to interact with their uh, visitors online. Yeah, I'm excited. I always like looking at new resources because you're always going to find a you know a, a gold nugget somewhere along the way of of running a business. And when they work, it really transforms your business. Yeah, exactly. So Andy, uh, what would you think? Say uh, the takeaway for this episode be. Oh, the takeaway, you know, this, I, this is my favorite thing to tell people is your business will not grow unless you're growing. And I know we talked about that before, but I think it's really important. And I'm not saying that because I'm a consultant. I'm saying that because you can learn on your own. You can read books, you can listen to podcasts, you can do courses, you can, you know, of course, hire a consultant, but you don't have to hire a consultant. But when you're at some point, if you're growing fast enough, I think a consultant is a really good option, but it's not always the first option. Yeah. Uh, Where can people get in touch with you? The best way is to go to my website because it's where it tells a little bit about me as well as all the things that I offer. And that's www.andymonet.com. And you can schedule strategy sessions, look at the books I've written, so, yeah, that's always the best place to start. Um, but you can email me directly. I'm in social media. I love sending out motivational posts, tips. I do some lives. I love to do open Q&A for answering business questions that or business challenges that come up. Andy, thank you for being here today. And um, awesome to have you on the show. Absolutely. I hope it does well. I'd love to give support and service to people who really need it. So good luck. Thank you for listening to this episode of Success Grid. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you found value in the show, rate and leave a review on iTunes. For more resources, visit successgrid.net. Until next time.